Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Holy Week Revival Podcast. This week, we welcome several dynamic speakers, David Perkins, Jabin Chavez, Scott Jones, and our very own Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. And now, here's today's message. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just remain standing. Let's just remain standing and pray together. Can we do that? All right. Father, we love you this morning, and God, we thank you for this church. We thank you, Jesus, that you said, Lord, that you would establish your church and your church would literally move forward aggressively and no demon in hell could keep us out. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be a church on the offensive. We would be a light to this city. Father, we thank you for the men and women, Lord Jesus, at Christian Life. We honor you this morning. We pray that the word of God would come alive in us today. We honor you and we love you and all of Christian Life Church said, amen. And man, you may be seated. Hey, I want to uh, tell you how grateful I am to be with you. I absolutely love uh, pastors at your church. Thank you so much, Pastor Brad, for all those nice things. I love you even more now. And so thanks for all that. Pastor Reed, thank you so much for taking care of me. And of course, Pastor Rex, so grateful to be with you. And uh, I love this church. I love the life here. And so, woo, it's kind of exciting. So uh, honored to be with you. I want to show you a picture of my family, uh, my wife, Renata, and my four kids, uh, that's Dawson, that's my wife Renata, and then Dawson, Olivia, Adeline, and Justice. And so that's my team. Um, if you look at this, so Dawson came out looking just like his mom, and then Olivia's just like her mom, and, and Justice acts like his mom, looks like his mom, but do you see that blonde-haired girl right there with the blue eyes? She is short, loud, blue eyes, s- screams when she talks, and she's just like her daddy. And so... Uh, <laughs> She's my baby girl, and so I love all of them, but that one, ooh, she's kind of like John the Beloved, you know, just right there. And so, anyway, <laughs> I love this story. Uh, when she was three, I was feeling that, and I was so grateful. Uh, at that time, we didn't have justice yet. We just had the first two, and they both had brown eyes, brown hair. And then I had this little girl that was, like, loud with blue eyes. And, and so I, I, just, I just affectionately looked at her. I got down on one knee, and I just said, Adeline Grace, when I look at you, I see me. And she put her hands on my cheeks and she says, Daddy, when I look at you, I see you. And so <laughs> I uh, am loving, loving being dad. And uh, welcome to Palm Sunday. I, I want to talk a little bit about Jesus this morning. And um, we want to just fix our eyes on the worthy lamb, Jesus Christ. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. So you know the story, it's the heavenly throne room scene. And I just want us to fix our eyes on Jesus this morning and just remind ourselves how great and worthy he really is. Here John says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousands times ten thousands. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang. Oh, let's all stand up. Yeah, that's awesome. Good, okay. Whew, all right, good. That's good, I like that. All right, good. Um, do, do we do, do, do you guys read it with me too? Is that how it normally goes? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, good. In a loud voice, they sang, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the sea and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory forever and ever. Let's pray together one more time. Jesus, we say you are the worthy lamb today. And just as in heaven, they are declaring 
Worthy is the lamb we declare on earth as it is in heaven. Worthy are you now in the present tense. Not just in the future, not just in a million years. Right now, today, today we declare you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our lives. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I uh, got on a flight a number of years ago and I... uh, Sat down, and the flight attendant was in his mid-twenties, and um, sometimes I have an issue, and that is that I, people think I'm younger than I am, and so, especially when I wear, wore a baseball cap, and so I'm sitting there kind of, kind of head down like that, and the flight attendant, who is about 25, 26, he says, excuse me, sir, you must be at least 15 years of age to sit in the exit row. Are you 15 years of age? And I was like, man, add 20 years, and yes, I'm, I'm at least 15 years of age, and we got up in the air and he came and he sat down next to me. I've never had that happen before. And uh, we began to talk about Jesus. And he was telling me a little bit of his journey and I began to tell him about mine. And, and he said this phrase to me after I told him a little bit about what I did. And he said, um, oh, the God thing. He goes, I tried that and it did not work. And I said, well, what do you mean it didn't work? And he said, well, I prayed the prayer that the preacher said on television. And the preacher on television said that I, if I prayed that prayer, I would get... A better life. And he said, I prayed that prayer and my life didn't get better. And I said, what did you expect to get better? What does that mean? What is better to you? And he said, well, he said, man, I, I, want, a, I want a girlfriend, man. I, I, I want to get married. And he said, uh, I, I never got, I, I'm still single. And then he, I said, well, okay. And he goes, well, I, I wanted a house. I still have an apartment. He goes, I want a car, still drive a motorcycle. And my life didn't get any better. And I said, so let me get this straight. Your motive in coming to Jesus was this. You want the good life. Really, you want the American dream. And Jesus is your means to your happiness, which sounds mostly like materialism. Is that, is that really what you're looking for? And he said, well, I don't know. And I said, well, well, let's just kind of break it down. And I said, here's why I follow Jesus. I said, I follow Jesus because I believe Jesus is the son of God. Jesus died on a cross after living perfectly, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, is seated at the, th- at the his heavenly throne room. He's coming back for us. He is God. And I follow Jesus, not because he's my means to me getting a good life, but because he is worthy of my life. And we began to have this conversation as to why we follow Jesus. We have an epidemic in our country, and that is there are so many people that walk away from the faith. Typically, the statisticians talk about it being in in people's 20s. And oftentimes, I believe that people like this young man on the airplane have a wrong view of God, and that that wrong view of God is what causes them then to, when crisis hits, walk away from the faith because they came to Jesus not in a place of surrender because he's worthy but as a a means of to their end of trying to get happiness you and I know that as we follow Jesus man man as we follow Jesus we look back maybe you've been following Jesus for 60 days maybe six months maybe 20 years and you would look back and you would say undoubtedly I am so glad that I chose to follow Jesus and following Jesus was worth it and he has blessed me but you would also say that I wouldn't say that I came to Jesus on all of a sudden man all of a sudden I got the American dream 
No, you would look back and you would say, there's been good days and there's been bad days. There's been days where it's been awesome and I felt close and there's been days where circumstances have been great and days where circumstances have been hard. But through it all, I follow Jesus, not as a means to my end to get ultimate humanism or materialism or to get me, but really what I want is Jesus is worthy of my life and he's taken care of me every step of the way. Today, the the language that some of the theoreticians put on the primary view that Americans have of God is this moralistic therapeutic deism. Now, it's a big $5 word, I know, but here's, here's the idea. Moralistic, God wants me to be happy. Therapeutic, I'm sorry, moralistic, God wants me to be good. Therapeutic, God wants me to be happy, like the word therapy. Deism, God kind of set up the world and walked away. Now, here's what that leads to. That's after polling Americans. That's kind of the way that Americans see God. You know, we have a high percentage of people that, that say they, they, they are Christian. But that's what, how they see God. This morning, I just want us to look at the scriptures and have our eyes open up to who he is so that we get an accurate view of God. Because that moralistic, therapeutic deism plagues our country and it's not an accurate view of Jesus. You and I live in a culture where if that's your primary view of God, he just wants me to be good, he wants me to be happy, he's not very involved in my life, then the moment that trials and pain and difficulty come, that person who has moralistic therapeutic deism will have accusation in their heart towards God when the tragedy strikes. When the crisis takes place, here is the heart response. God, how dare you, right? Because why? This is actually all about me. And you are the means to my end. My end is me. But Christianity is not I follow Jesus in order to get my desires and my wants and to get the good life so that I can get the car, so that I can get the house, so that I can get the perfect body, no sickness. No, I am in this because Jesus is awesome and he is king and he is worthy and he is, he's the Lord of all. And so that premise, how you come to Jesus, massively dictates who you will be when you go through trouble. And friends, we know that in this life, you will face trouble and trials. And how you see Jesus, when you close your eyes and you run movies in your mind of what Jesus is like, do you see the lamb who is seated on a throne, who is worthy of all honor, all blessing, all power, all glory? Or is he a small God who it's his goal to make you happy? And it's very subtle, but over time, it's easy for us in a culture that tries to spin everything towards making you happy. And hedonism is what exists in our culture. It's easy for us to put that spin on Jesus, where what Jesus said was, follow me. And Jesus didn't look at the disciples and say, tell you what, I'm going to bait and switch you, you know. I'm going to tell you a little bit about what you're going to get, some of us youth pastors, I don't know if Brad's, Brad's a real godly, dignified youth pastor. He's probably never done what I've done, but I decided one time I wanted to try to get a bunch of teenagers to, to church, and so I decided we would do Fear Factor at youth group, right? And so I had, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of kids show up, and they're like eating bugs, and I mean, I mean, when I was in youth group, it was just chubby bunny and popping balloons, you know, with sitting on them and that kind of stuff, but... This was not popping balloons, pizza, and chubby bunny. This was like spiders and snakes and all this stuff. And, and, and I mean, kids laying down in bugs and kids throwing up. It was awesome. And so, 
And I had all of these kids show up to our church service. And they were so excited. And then we finished Fear Factor and I stood up and I had about four minutes and I said, Jesus is worth following. And it was like, (laughs) who wants to give their life to Jesus? Shake the bugs and the worms out and give your life to Jesus. I mean, after 16 years of youth ministry, you got some good days and some bad days. This was check bad day. Why? Because here's what had happened. I had said, hey, come for snakes and insects and bugs and eating all these weird things. And then I gave him a little bit of Jesus at the end. And you know what? At the end of the day, I was giving him a little bit of bait. Jesus never does that. Here's what Jesus does. Peter, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, John. Hey, guys, follow me. End of story. Like, I'm worth following. Like God incarnate, Jesus on the planet. And he says, because of who I am, not because you're going to get pizza, not because you're going to get the good life, but you get me. What you get is a person. And what we so often do is we say, okay, 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 yeah, but I want, and then you fill in the blank. Okay, I'll do the Jesus thing, but can I get, and he goes, just me, just me. Just follow me. Now, he could have gone the other route. He could have bait and switched him just like I did at youth group. He could have said, Peter, shut up for a second. Listen, if you follow me, man, oh, it's going to be great. Oh, man, I'm going to heal your mother-in-law. <laughs> Never mind. I mean, Peter, it's going to be awesome. You're going to walk on water for a minute. <laughs> Peter, come follow me. Man, your name's going to be written on the 12 foundation stones of the eternal city. People are going to know who you are. You're going to meet Moses and Elijah in Matthew 17 at the Mount of Transfiguration. Bro, bro, come on. It's going to be awesome. He doesn't get any of that. He says, you deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And then after following, you can imagine Peter in Acts chapter 2. Imagine the absurdity after he has watched Jesus do miracles, preach, win people to do, I mean, walk on water, do every, die on the cross, raise from the dead, empower Peter to go lead the Pentecost revival. Imagine the absurdity of Peter going, well, let's see, I wonder if this is worth it. I wonder if Jesus was worth following. No, Peter would go, oh, oh. Oh, I chose to follow and I got everything. And when we choose to follow, man, we don't come in on the front side saying, Jesus, I'll follow you if you'll give me what the culture of my day says is what I should get. You give me the idols and I'll follow you. No, I surrender. I don't want those idols. You are worthy of my life. I give you everything. And no matter what happens, you're worthy. And I give you everything. A number of years ago, I went on a, uh, a flight to Hernhut, Germany. One of, the, one of the, my heroes is a guy named Count Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf, <laughs> a hard name. He's a German nobleman, and, and in 1727, he took refugees who were being persecuted for their faith, and he allowed them to live on his estate. And they were praying for protection. And they, so in praying for protection, they began to pray, two guys, two girls, two guys, two girls, for two hours. It was just a prayer watch. Started off as a 24-hour prayer chain. Well, that 24-hour prayer chain started to go around the clock. 
And they began to pray, not just for a day or a week or a year, but they prayed. It went down in history as the 100-year prayer meeting. Now, listen, you can only pray nonstop for yourself for so long. Like you start your two-hour set, you're going to do this every day. You know, God bless mom, God bless dad, God bless my kids, God bless the city, God protect us. Okay, we still got an hour and 59 minutes to go and forth. I mean, God help me with this, God help me with that. My fa- it wasn't too long before they started resonating that Jesus sent us on mission. And when we start to pray, God starts to download what's in his heart into their hearts. And so in the place of prayer, then they started to cry out for the nations of the earth. And then it wasn't long before you start to become the answer to your own prayers. Because it's not too long before God so gets it inside of you that you don't, he's not just worthy of a good prayer life, he's worthy of being obedient. And so they start to send out missionaries two by two all over the world. Famous story is one of the great moments. And so I, I, I got to Hernhut, I, I got to Berlin, Germany, and I walked to the info desk and I said, I, I want to go to Hernhut. The lady said, there's no such place. I said, no, Hernhut. She said, no. I said, I've been reading books about it. I know it, it, Hernhut, it exists. She says, no, I showed her to map, her a map on the Lufthansa Airlines. I said, right there in the mags. I said, Hernhut. And she goes, oh, oh, head and hoot. And I said, yeah, sorry, I'm from Oklahoma. Hearn Hut, you know, that's how we say it in Oklahoma. Got to, I got to Hearn Hut and I saw the graves of Leonard Dober and David Nitschman. Now listen to this, Leonard Dober and David Nitschman and, and many others like him. They'd, what they would do is they would go out after spending time in prayer and growing up in a prayer movement and then they would go spend their lives overseas. And Dober and Nitschman went to the West Indies they went to islands. The, the, the unique thing was that in order to get onto the island, 1727, the only way to get there was to sell your life into slavery. So Zinzendorf came to the middle of the group and said in the village, we have an opportunity to reach slaves in the West Indies, what would today be the Caribbean. But the only way you're going to be able to get onto the island is if you're willing to sell your life into slavery and the, the, the landowners will buy you and you'll be a slave forever there. But you'll get the opportunity to reach people who have never heard the gospel. And we've got a community here of 300 and something people and we've heard the gospel. And a lot of Europe has heard the gospel, but they've never heard the gospel. Will anyone go? And Leonard Dover and David Nitschman said, we'll go. And it's an epic famous Story because as their boat pulled out of the harbor, they yelled back to their community what became the anthem of the Moravian missions movement where they said, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Now imagine that moment, 20 year olds, 1727, their view of God to make a confession like that. Not the 25-year-old on the airplane that says, I'm giving up on the whole thing because I wanted the good life and I didn't get it. I, I wanted more stuff. No, but they said, I've already died to the stuff. No, I've already beheld him and I've seen him and I know that Jesus is worthy and I've spent time in the place of prayer and I know that proclaiming him to the nations is what matters. I know that there he deserves his inheritance as a great multitude from every tongue, tribe and nation around the throne. And so I'm gonna give my life and right in the core of the anthem that comes out is may the lamb, Jesus, the worthy lamb with worshipers and singers declaring how great he is. May the worthy lamb who was 
slain. He died on the cross. He went to the cross and then he rose from the dead. And the lamb who was slain received the reward. What's his reward? His reward is not just a few of us, but a great multitude that no one could count from every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne crying, worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. And they gave their lives. And they said, we'll go. It's the exact opposite of moralistic therapeutic deism. But it is the essence of what we need in our hearts as we go to follow Jesus. You will have some great days. You will have some days where the homeschooling works and the minivan works and there's no Cheerios in the minivan. And it feels like everything is awesome. And your kids say please and thank you. And there will be days where the diapers never end, the money runs out, and you are crying, going, oh God, where are you? But the circumstance doesn't dictate your faith. You go, Jesus, whether I am, whether I, whether I, I, I work in D.C. At the, at the White House, whether I'm a missionary in Mexico in a mud hut, whether you take me to a business success in Austin, or no matter where I am, this is not about my circumstance that dictates if I worship. Apart from my experience, apart from my circumstance, you are worthy of my worship. And so I worship you and I give you praise. Worship is really simple. Worship is just our response to what matters most. And so if we do 2 Corinthians 3.18, if we behold Jesus, if Jesus becomes much, he will be what we talk about. He'll be what we love to unite around. You know, it doesn't have to just be weird and strange to be consumed and fascinated with Jesus and say, well, you know, let's just kind of be practical and be normal. I'm telling you, I believe if we could be around the early church, we would see fascination. We would see Jesus on their lips. That would exist. That's, that's the dream is when you make much of Jesus, then it moves your heart. We see, but the question is not if you worship, it's what do you worship? All of us are worshipers, right? And so we see it in our culture all the time. We see it at football games. We see people come alive. We see when a new movie comes out, there's excitement. I mean, standing in line for hours. Renata and I were walking out of a movie, and uh, there was a line that went around the building. And I walked up to this lady, and she had been waiting there for hours. And I said, what are you here to see? And she was so sad and disappointed. She looked at me like, oh, what's wrong with you? Why? Because whatever that movie was, she cared about and, and I didn't care about. But there are other things I cared about, right? Like Thanksgiving time, my wife is looking at me as I watch football at my in-laws. And she's like, why can't you sit at the table and be better? And I'm going, oh, there's something off in me a little bit. But I, it's a little bit. What do I care about? Oh, I, I care. What's the game? A little fantasy football. And I'm trying to explain it to people. And they're like, so it's not even real. I'm like, it's not even real. And they're like, you're weird. I'm like, I know. It's wrong. Oh, I, but it gets in us, right? We got little things that get in us. And we're like, I, what, I care. I care about it. It's so weird. I, but I, but I I care about that. You see it? I saw it the next day, right? Black Friday, all of a sudden you see the America's response. Some people are so excited that they're like, I mean, they're, they're standing in line for five hours at Home Depot to get a discount on a hammer through the night. <laughs> and other people look at that guy and go, you're crazy. And he goes, have you seen this hammer? Other people go, I'd do that for all night long in the snow to get a flat screen at Best Buy. And other people go, you're crazy. What? 
But that same person would go, but I'll sit six hours and watch TV all day and watch football. That's what Thanksgiving's for. And they go, you're nuts. The other person goes, that's crazy. But, but I'd stay up all night. Well, I, I want sleep. You want sleep. Well, and what do you see? Just, it's just a matter of values. What do you value most? What, what, what do you care the most about? Imagine you and I beholding Jesus in such a way that what we care about is the worthy lamb. And then if that's inside of us, then even we could say, all right, I'll go. I'll give my life. I'll do what it takes. Uh, I mean, with my money, with my family, making disciples of my kids, whatever it takes, because he's worthy. Because he's the worthy lamb. He's worthy of our worship, and he's worthy of our obedience. And I'm going to get this. I'm going to close with this. He's worthy of every detail throughout the week. Sometimes we think worship is just Sunday morning and small groups. And we get so used to church culture. But following Jesus is day to day. It's who we are on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And every detail of our lives. And saying, Jesus, you're worth my obedience. Even in the little prophetic whisper, I'm going to obey what you call me to do on Tuesday. It's, it's the celebration. On, but, and, and I think sometimes we get mixed up in that because, I, because we have church culture. I love church culture. I grew up in church, church culture. I've been at a church for 16 years. I'm about to go plant a church. I like church. But sometimes what we do is we get so used to church culture that we're not listening to Jesus and saying, okay, you're worthy of me being obedient in every little thing in the word of God, the Holy Spirit this week. But obedience is right at the core. He's worthy of our obedience. My dad's a preacher and he loves to tell the story about his, his, his kids. My, my parents experienced the shock of their lives in 1976 when they thought they were having one child and the doctor looked at them on the day that my mom was about to deliver triplets and said, how's three sound? My mom fainted. But anyway, and so uh, my, my parents uh, on that day had three kids and then later, uh, five years later, my brother came. And so we're David, Dana, Deborah, and Dan, my mom's name is Debbie, and my dad is Hal. And so, <laughs> yeah. And uh, my dad loves to tell the story about coming home and telling his kids to go clean their room. And three triplets, five years old, and he'd look at him and say, David, Dana, Deborah, go clean your room. And he talks about the three different responses where Dana would look back at him and she was so disappointed that maybe she had let him down. She so wants to be obedient that she began to cry. She looked back at dad and in tears say, okay, daddy, I'm so sorry. And she'd go clean her room. And then Deborah, pistol, fiery, look back at dad, fine, make a face, mad, go clean her room. And then his son with whom he loves, <laughs> with whom he is well pleased. Dad, I'd be happy to go clean my room. But young David would never clean his room. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but I think that's our journey. Our journey in contexts like this, it's so great. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, the lights are right. The screens are right. The pastors are cool. You know, the worship leaders, you know, a hipster cool guy that can sing awesome. And we got all this cool stuff. And it's easy in this context to be, a, yes. And Jesus is saying, I want your heart. I'm worthy of your obedience on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'll close with this. My, uh, imagine, just take that illustration. Imagine if I were to say that to my children. I was going to line them up. Dawson, Olivia, Adeline, and Justice. I get home, line them up, look at them, say, hey, guys, you got four hours. I want you to clean your room. 
And I come back four hours later. Dawson, Olivia, Adeline, Justice, let's line up and let's talk about obedience. Did we obey? And imagine my thrill over Dawson when he steps forward, Von Trapp style. You know, here we go. Dawson. And he says, well, Dad, I didn't clean my room, but you know what, Dad? I wrote a three-point sermon about how to clean your room. I can break it down. Smart, Dad. All for you. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I love you. I love you. I got you, Dad. Olivia. Daddy. I didn't clean my room, but Daddy. She plays the guitar. I wrote a song about cleaning your room. And then Olivia, you know, she's 10. and Clean your room, clean your room. Daddy said, clean your room. Adeline Grace. Daddy. I didn't clean my room, but I'm having seven other of my eight-year-old little girlfriends coming over tonight and we're going to sit in the living room and we're going to have a conversation about what a real clean room looks like, Dad. (laughs) Justice, he's five. Dad, I didn't clean my room, but Dad, look, there's a picture of your face on a poster. I hung it in my room. It says, therefore, go into your room and clean it, Dad. No, my joy over my kids would be very small, right? Where's my joy when they clean their room, right? Here's what I want. Guys, when I say clean your room, I'm worth obeying. I'm your father. And what we do is we come up with all these other things and all these other reasons. And Jesus goes, guys, I'm the king of all kings. I'm the Lord of all lords. I'm worth obeying. Just obey And our prayer is that today we would say, Jesus, you're king of all kings, you're Lord of all lords. I do not follow you to get the good life. I do not follow you to get as a means to my end. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the means. You are the end. You did die for me. You did create a way for me to spend eternity with you. And so you are the way and forever you will be worshiped forever. I will declare holy, holy, holy is our God on this day forever and ever and ever. That's what we live for. He's worthy of everything. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our obedience. He's worthy of our lives. Will you stand with me and let's pray together. I just want to invite the prayer team to come forward. And this morning, if you would like prayer for any reason, we'd love to pray with you. I'd just like you to just stretch out your hands with me and let's just fix our eyes on the worthy lamb. Jesus, we look to you today. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.